Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on a road. Sounds a little bit like I'm in a empty swimming pool. Do you want it louder? <laughs> no. <laughs> I hear our, our listeners can confirm or deny that it sounds like I'm in an empty swimming pool. Well, apparently this one controls. See, what it they seemed, hear. This seems more like a Fisher Price version of like this is for very simple people. <laughs> no, this is awesome. Well, I sure. I want to know what these things are. That's for mixing your beats. Yeah, for those of you who are watching. The Stories of Soul Food podcast. <laughs> you can see Nate and I excited we have, about... We have a new toy. A new Roadcaster Pro 2. 11. Or 11. <laughs> <laughs> Recording and so, yeah. If there's with the QR with the audio, code, that's going to help us out a lot. Right. Um, yeah, I think this is to actually, you know, sample your beats and really, you know, make your tunes there, Brian. They did not realize who they were handing this to. <laughs> Okay, welcome oh, to SAS. Here we are. We're here. We're doing it. We're here doing our duty. Yep, and I think seeing the new Roadcaster should just inspire everybody that if you <laughs> want more of what comes out of Canon Press, join Canon Plus. Mm, yeah. You can do that by going to... Subscribe. Join CanonPlus.com. Subscribe, subscribe. Are we free or are we behind the paywall? Uh, we're now, we're now. I think everywhere to see what we can do. We're free. We're free. So we just made Good. the move to video Good. available everywhere. Um, we want to give more stuff for right now until we rein it all back. Actually, I don't know. Canon Move has always been give it all away. Heading into November, there will be lots of giveaways yeah. at Canon Giveaways Press. all November long. Yep. Um, okay, so we're free. I, I think like, Nate's I like even that. giving away a Canon Plus ad that we're all very yeah. excited about. That's true. Um, I think that'll blow everyone's mind as much as this podcast. <laughs> don't hype it. Don't <laughs> hype it. It's kind of a, you know, it's a vanilla. It's a vanilla ad. It's sort of like whiskey. Yeah, it's like a, whiskey, a, a like nice, whiskey vanilla. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a Lagavulin. Okay. With just a very particular taste set. I don't know. I don't know. I, wouldn't, I don't think it's that smoky. I don't, <laughs> but it is. it is a little bit like... Uh, around here and our branding and how we roll is is very much like being in a hot tub at a very high temperature that you're used to and then other people trying to get into it. Um, oh, yep. You know, a level of, there's a level of... There's a level of like... <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a level of conflict that we're used to. There's a, there's a level of just the sound of gunfire in the background, culturally speaking. Mm. People trying to blacklist and embargo and control. Like we... I don't remember a time in my life when... That didn't exist. Just the kind of the constant conflict that was around trying to, you know, kill and throttle what was being built here. Right. It's either control it, jump aboard, steer the horse, or just. Well, yeah, you can you can it. jump aboard and try to lean in the canoe, try to tip it over, try to hijack yeah. it, or just try to like kill our supply chain, kill our access to consumers, and it's just never worked. It's Canon Plus and Canon have just continued to grow through yeah. that thank god on that i was just seeing the next step appears to be happening as now we get listed and named specifically whereas for a long time it was just don't mention yeah just don't talk about doug we were voldemort don't talk yeah, <laughs> yeah actually it's true um uh, it was just it was just don't mention it stifle it throttle it yep delete references to it from books you and, know, and, and, yeah, and it never worked. And so now we've, we've moved into very overt targeting hot war phase. Right. So I, I don't know. We sometimes get accused of uh, being too willing to fight, but I don't think, I don't know. We work with lots of different folks. Willing to fight. Like just always being in the mood to draw hard lines and make distinctions mm. and cause enemies here. And I don't, I don't know. I feel I, I tend to, every time I venture outside of our pool, the Moscow pool. It's when I bump into the real lines that other people have drawn. Like, oh, you're not willing to talk with those people over there. Yeah, we kind of talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. So if you're not if you're not threatened, if you really believe that you hold the truth, you really believe that you have access to the truth through Scripture and the Reformation and all you know all the teaching that we benefit from from 500 years 
of that, uh, that legacy, then you're happy to have friends and argue with people who feel differently right? because you're not threatened by it. It's like, yeah. it's, uh, it's, 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 it's how, fun and it's, it's affectionate. Nate, Nate can like Chesterton so much, despite being one of yeah. Chesterton's least favorite Calvinists. Yeah. Yeah. A Calvinist. Yeah. So it's, and Gilbert is fantastic. And Lewis, I would never assume I'm just going to agree with everything. Like right. why, why should I? But I, I love the interaction and how much I gained from him. And I feel that way about all sorts of people across the entire ecumenical spectrum where there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. I have close relationships with very like close friendships with very charismatic brothers. I've got close relationships with Catholics who are very traditional Catholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those relationships that are very authentic and a good, a good writer friend who's highly educated, couple PhDs, Eastern Orthodox. And like, there's a ton of affection and rapport in that relationship. We have a ton of camaraderie and a huge part of that camaraderie, camaraderie is because neither of us are under any delusions about where we disagree and where we agree. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I have clarity and, and visibility on his positions and he has those on mine and None of it changes the fact that we know that in this cultural moment, we're all fighting on the same side. Um, I think that's probably the key part, right? Because we definitely are not afraid to draw a line where it needs to be. And that often comes when, if you're not sure of where the distinctions are, that's when the trouble comes. Right. And so I will have a great steak and a whiskey and a great argument with him. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, I don't argue. We we're doing the, you know, live and let live thing. It's like, no, there's tons of debate and an argument and all of it is built on a bedrock of affection you know and and that is really important i think i think that he is as a good friend guilty of some heinous theological errors obviously i think it's <laughs> i don't think it's it's small it's not small stuff it's big yeah, stuff the reformation just, level stuff. yeah we it's yeah. big stuff we disagree on stuff that people killed each other over centuries ago and yet because there's an there's an honesty and and that back and forth, I have no problems with him being a close ally and friend as we work on TV shows or or anything else together. So it's it's not it's weird to me. There's I've I've know plenty of people who do build those walls and try to cut themselves off and have no allies with whom they disagree, uh, and it's just not fruitful. So we'll have we'll have anybody like. I say we, but the college here, New St. Andrews would have any number of people come up front and give a lecture to uh, the students because, uh, because we actually are trying to teach the students to engage and wrestle and not just sit there and receive like baby birds. So if right. one of the professors at New St. Andrews stands up front and gives a lecture, we don't want the student body to just be receiving it like baby birds. We want them to be resisting, pushing, picking, seeing if they can find weaknesses, trying to pull it apart and, and let the truth be refined and let the position be refined, you know, via iron sharpening iron. So I I remember back when I was at NSA, when we, I mean, they had evolutionary biologists come over from state universities and one guy famously in our little local school lore asked how many people had read Darwin and the entire student body had read Darwin. Right. And a bunch of Christians who think yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> every, yeah, everybody had. And over at his evolutionary biology department, very few people had. Right. Like they it's just they're they're just floating with the current. So he was kind of shocked and startled. Yeah. That this is not a fundamentalist sect that's scared to read what Kant said or scared to read what Nietzsche said or scared to read anything. Uh it's read and engage and fight. So when when people think that we fight too much, it's I find that funny uh, because we will, we are happy to have a tussle. Yeah. And I've, one of the the biggest comments I've had from outside friends who have visited this community is kind of a surprise about the easy, affectionate debate that happens when people disagree with each other. And, and it's not everybody having their feelings hurt. It's like, so no, we can rumble. I can rumble with my sisters. I can rumble with my dad. Mm -hmm. I can, at the dinner table, we can go back and forth and have a lot of fun grappling with an issue and refining it. And both of us are going to come out the other side with better handles on what we believe the truth to be. 
Yeah. Uh, and this is, you know, it's Sherwood Forest. <laughs> Though I, w- I will say there are times when um, I realize, okay, if you've, if you've been living in the timber of Idaho and running with the wolves, and then you just go hang out with Labradoodles, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do anything for them to stress out. Yeah. You don't have to misbehave. It's just the blood dripping from your jaw that causes the nervous nervousness well they look so, at your ear it's like ragged yeah it's like oh yeah <laughs> my sister did that <laughs> you know, it's like it's, but it's i will so I, I get it i do get it if you're in very delicate society where people are careful not to disagree with each other and not to have those hard conversations just showing up um, can be a little surprising can yeah. be a little little stark i think also the 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 hippie conservative divide in our town is much more a little more strong than in other places that's what i've heard the big just wow i didn't realize people are so this is not offended or offensive yeah well the the fact that there's a a small town of very conservative believers inside of a university town that would like to be a liberal town yep which is inside of rural red state america so it is there's layer on layer yeah we have a red state and then we have a blue dot what's been known as a blue dot for a long time in a red state and then we have a very large red dot inside that blue dot and so for liberal university culture here it's you know enemies on both sides and it's very stressful so they're they're kind of lash out factor i think is understandable it's like if you really believe uh what they believe if you've if you've drunk that kool-aid to the dregs then the pressure being on the outside with all the farmers and the loggers and the rural idahoans sure is real and you're trying to be a little enclave and you realize that we are this and the middle class that's supposed to be on your team turns out (laughs) they're more with the farmers yeah then then it turns out that there's this very large growing red circle inside of your blue dot so i understand why they panic sometimes and arrest us at psalm sings it's understandable. <laughs> it's understandable. Just just wrong and gonna cost them a lot of money in the courts. <laughs> but it's uh, but I, I get it. I get the reflex. Okay, so I, I have the question about well, I have a couple questions, but the first one does seem like that confidence to let your kids hear an mm. alternative view is is hard. I don't think I don't think there's very many parts of the country, or it doesn't seem like it, where they're willing to kind of show up and have a, I mean, I remember in uh, rhetoric class when you're arguing, you know, as hard as you can pro abortion yeah. right, in a class. And I would, I would devil's advocate or yeah. Devil's advocate or Logos doing someone yeah. bringing in functionally a paid actor yeah. to, to pretend to be an atheist. Like, yeah. Or an actual atheist. Yeah. If we couldn't get the right. <laughs> paid actor, if we couldn't get him paid actor, I'm, I'm joking. It's a father of one of the students. So, but no one knew who he was. So they bring him in and he just goes hard and they're all like, what is I, happening? The, I will say there though, <laughs> that, um, the reason, part of the reason why they used him is because actual atheists cannot defend their position. They don't show up. And so we, we want, if you're just right. trying to grab a random person yeah. who's a professor who's an atheist, they can't actually right hold up and so we want our students to be up against legitimately aggressive <laughs> and it turns out the best aggressive atheists are devil's fabricated. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and they're out there right but so if if you want them to be able to handle uh christopher hitchens you're right. not gonna be able to just find that yeah. you know you're gonna have to find somebody who actually can play that part as opposed to right. the authentic most version atheists, there was only one of those <laughs> right most atheists just default to that real quick your truth level. Yeah. They're going to be snotty at you and an ad hominem and, and then not have the conversation. They just leave. Most, most people right. will exit rapidly, but the, you're right. It is not a normal thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think most parents feel that, especially parents of young kids, because they're constantly on that line of, I, should I explain really what's going on with that tranny flag to my children? Yeah. Like that question of the parents of like, when, yes, you should, when do I tell them, that people think that boys can become girls and girls can become boys. Uh, as, as soon as they're able to visually recognize the flag yeah. and the people who are carrying it, then you need to. And you need to tell the story correctly. This is all back to narrative. And narrative this is point key of view. right here. Yeah. Because yeah. that's hard. Narrative, narrative point of view. Who, who are the villains? Who are the victims? Right. Who do you feel for? Who do you pray for when you see people right. who are deluded by this and have been mutilated? you know, this way. Um, 
yeah, I mean, you have to you have to tell the story. You have to interpret the story for your kids in which they live. This is the scene. They're walking through a scene. They're downtown. How do you interpret this story? Right. They see the guy clearly male in a dress at the grocery store. How do you tell them the story? That just happened. You don't want to leave them to grope through the scene in their life movie that just happened. Yeah. Looking for any possible explanation just in their own imagination. Right. Because you, you could you say, actually, oh, he's just confused. Yeah. Right. Which is accurate. Yep. And that could but, be the right thing to say. But it's also for a kid, you can wait, confused. You could just be kind of confused yep. about becoming a woman. <laughs> yeah. Like he hates God and hates how God made him. Right. And I just found and out. And wants to die. And it's one of those things, obviously, this depends on kid level, but like my, my four year old was, you know, is conf was confused into the idea that you could, that we were that like, he was like, oh yeah, I thought he was like girls and boys. What's the difference between girls and boys? And as a four-year-old, that's a confusing topic. And yeah. so you sort it out, but you don't want him looking at something like and that trying to make sense and of trying it. to yeah. make sense of it on his own. And when you are in a family of all boys <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> Tell me about it. isn't it just your outfit? Right. You know, thinks the four-year-old's yeah. like, no, there's some biological things that we are going to have to explain at some point, right. but we haven't had to because you only have brothers. Right. He's like, I was pretty sure everyone in the world is male except for my mother. And for some yeah. reason, she's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it it is, um, you have to be able to interpret the narrative for them. And so that means telling the story. Yeah. And I, I same thing with um, pro-life marches. Trying to take your kids to a pro-life march you have to explain what's going on. And yeah. it's, it's, I thought it was a great exercise as a parent just being like, yeah, some people think it's okay to kill babies and yep. we're saying that's not okay. Yep. And that becomes real extremely fast. And I think a lot of people want to steer around that mm -hmm. and steer around them, it yeah. in I don't every them, area of their life. I don't life. want them to know about the darkness. I don't want them to know about opposition, about God hating. I don't want them to know any of these things, which all that does is set them up for whiplash. Yeah. Like a really, Really bad whiplash. Really disconcerting situation. Because yep. I think many of these parents are thinking, I don't want, I want my kid to be protected and safe, and I don't want him to feel like the entire world's at war. But it is. I mean, yep. <laughs> I, I don't want them to feel like that. Like, all right, so you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, you want to lie to them. Just don't, don't lie. You don't have to give them the, you know, rated R adult version but you do have to tell them the truth right and, of homosexuality yeah. you don't need to and you do have to you have to actually curate the truth tell them the truth of what's going on and it's not always easy but you if you do what we've exhorted you to do on this podcast before which is tell bible stories read the old testament read read all of god's word and then even look at natural revelation and you find that when you're telling them about praying mantises and you're telling them about hyenas and you're telling them about these different creatures in the world that God made and this, you don't have to tell them everything, but at the same time, when you tell them the truth, like their, their threshold, their tolerance for like, whoa, like, okay, we are in it. We are in a fallen world. Yeah. The world is fallen. And there's real stakes. Here. Yeah. It's not yep. just. We're in a fallen world. And if you really do tell them the story of David. And you really do tell them the story of Samson and you really do tell them the story of Gideon and you tell them the story of Deborah and you tell them all these stories and they know those stories, their ability to interpret uh, the world around them, both light, both the light and the darkness is increased. They're, they're fortified, they're stronger. They've been fed and strengthened with the truth, with God's word. Yeah. And so if you try to keep them from the old Testament, if you try to keep them from a, their, you know, their crazy uncle, Elijah, the prophet, you're like, we're not going to, you know what? You're not old enough to meet Elijah yet. We don't want you. He was naked. Oh, wait, that was, that was, yeah. but if, yeah. <laughs> that was crazy Uncle Isaiah. Yeah, yes, crazy Uncle Isaiah. We can talk about Hosea later. Yeah. Isaiah, Hosea. But Ezekiel, what, Ezekiel. Yeah, don't, okay, we can skip Ezekiel for a minute. But it, yes. Until your kids get to high school for Ezekiel. Yeah, but even there, like Ezekiel's in the Bible. Um, if you're talking about Elijah, you should be telling, your kids the truth about what he said to the priests of Baal. You know, he made fun of their God. He taunted them. Mm -hmm. He said he's probably going to the bathroom. Yeah. He can't hear you because he's relieving himself. Right. Um, and, and we then don't he know, killed uh, yeah. all of them. Like, oh, okay, but okay. <laughs> I think we I think we have a lot of that idea that life is like Mario Kart. 
And every time you go off the road, the little the little uh, parachute comes and pits you back on. But no, those 400 guys didn't get back on the road. <laughs> they did not. No. They, yeah, they had to go meet their maker. Literally stood before a judge. Yeah. And okay, anyway, here's, oh, this Bible stories, Bible stories and the stories of natural revelation are really, really helpful in equipping your kids and yourselves to look out at the world around you and and to understand better the narrative. Okay. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, having to do with that. It seems to me that, you know, my 10, almost 11 years of parenting right now, for me and my wife, it has been a constant story, not of erring on the side of presumption, but instead every time I've been able to encourage us to be faithful with our kids and trust and push them, that's been the angle we need, not the one of being like, hey, you're being presumptuous with your children and assuming they're going to be fine. So I guess right. that I was going to ask you, is that part of just the part of the world that we're in that we need, you know, confidence as a parent feels like the primary attribute that needs to be taught? Or does that vary from family to family and others have, you know, they presume too much with their children? Does that question make sense? Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know. I'm assuming it does vary from place to place, but it seems to me that most people are extremely fearful with their children. Yeah. And that every chance we have that we can push our kids toward faith and confidence and boldness. And it doesn't, I haven't seen the wishbone breaking very often the other way. Yeah, I have. I've seen it. Okay, I've seen it go so. both ways. When, when families are too concerned about the cool or about belonging, belonging, quote unquote, okay. in their own gotcha. in their own subcultures. So I've seen it in baseball families. I've seen it in uh, skiing families. I've seen it in any family that is, you know, in a, another community where there's like okay, gotcha. there's the Christian community, and then they're really into football, or they're really into, or my family into surfing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my wife's family in Santa Cruz, a big surfing community. I've seen a lot of Christian families in that surfing community where you're a member of that community and you're a member of uh, your church community. Right. And when those, those parents, um, and it can be just AAU baseball, it could be uh, work, you know, it could be your homeschooling and your, your, your kids are, are getting sure. into the workplace too young. Um, there, I've seen it a lot. I've seen okay. it. Yeah. I've seen it with homeschoolers. I've seen it with schoolers. I've seen it, public, you know, kids in public school, obviously, but wherever you belong into, in another community and you start trying to keep belonging in that community, as opposed to being happy to just stand out mm. as just so different. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I've One seen of these things is not kids. like the other. I'm, no, I'm a Notre yeah. Dame kid. And all of a sudden yeah. they're just all in. On no, Notre exactly. Dame. Exactly. So kids going to college is a perfect example. So yeah. Uh, or joining the Navy, any, anything like that where you're a member now of something else. Mm -hmm. um, my dad has always advised people who are going into the military to immediately identify yourself in public as a believer to people yeah, and fly that flag so that you don't just start uh, yep. belonging yep. Uh, in, this, in this other thing. So for everybody in every family that has a foot in another community, they have their faith community, they have their Christian school, they've got their Christian church, you know, whatever it might be, and they belong there, but they also have membership elsewhere. Whenever their membership elsewhere in the world becomes really important to them and they work hard to fit in mm -hmm. and belong, parents or and or kids, I've, I've seen it with the parents a ton, mm -hmm. trying to fit in and belong, the wishbone is breaking in the wrong direction. Gotcha. Uh, so from confidence to presumption. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I am going to fully participate here and presume that my kids will be fine. And I'll tell you a secret. They won't. Gotcha. They never are. They are never fine. Yeah. In that situation. So we were members of lots of communities, lot, you know, athletic communities and you know, right. where our kids were and like, we're playing third grade football and we're doing this, that, the other thing. But there was always you know, always a contrast, always a willingness to not fit in um, and, to, you know, try to have a great testimony on the field and with, with your work ethic and talking to our kids about working really, really hard and not slacking just because other kids are slacking and being respectful and looking your coach in the eyes and yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And, mm -hmm. and, and being that way. 
knowing that that's going to create friction and conflict for them and believing that that's the benefit. So the, the benefit for yeah. us when of these little guys was the fact that they are going to have to uh, learn. You know, but with our oldest, he was the sixth grade, he came back and it turned out he'd been asking every single kid on his football team if he was a Christian. <laughs> Great. And so I had a ton of conversations and we're like, awesome. Uh, seventh grade, uh, I think it was locker room, having to fight guys who all started like bullying a kid and blaming a kid for a loss mm. and having to stand up and, and push back. And like, just knowing you're never going to be in the click. You gotcha. aren't. Yeah. Like you, you have to operate everywhere as if you have the complete authority of God with you and mm. then operate faithfully in, uh, in those moments and knowing, like knowing those degrees of temptation are hard. Yeah. So the reason why our oldest can do well where he is now at 21 and under constant pressure and assault, um, he actually, he's a, he's at uh, Columbia and the big day of rage thing happened. And there are these, you know, massive Palestinian protest came washing all around New York and came through the quad of Columbia. And I, he had been identified as a Jewish student. Um, I, you'd gone to some Seder dinner thing. Uh, and had, you know, he'd, he'd gone and talked to them all. And so I was getting all these messages of like security and warning and all the Jewish students are supposed to be sheltering in place in one, in one center under guard, you know, like with protection. Um, oh, wow. You know, it's like, and it's, and I, I found out that my son uh, had worn his t-shirt that says just Hebrew lettering across the front. It, is, it says Columbia in Hebrew. Um <laughs> And hadn't realized that and had forgotten what day it was and just walked out and walked into this pro Hamas rally. Oh, no. <laughs> and, went, leaning into the day of rage. <laughs> yeah. And so he walked into this pro Hamas rally and so went back to his dorm room and got a yarmulke that he'd been given to attend a Seder dinner and put it on and went back out into the, into the protest. He's like, I feel very comfortable yeah. in this conflict. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to go wear my yarmulke through this pro Hamas rally. Yeah. Um, what was that like? They were wild. I've got a lot of videos. Uh, he was really happy with just the the great conversations he was able to have, a bunch of conversations he was able to have there, but then also with the Jewish students, with the religious Jewish students and with the secular Jewish students and hmm. um, a lot of gospel conversations. And But yeah, he just slapped a yarmulke on that he'd been loaned at a Seder dinner and <laughs> and and went through the, the rally. And it, it made me very happy. Yeah. Like that was like, I'm very pleased that that's his reflex. Yeah. You know, his, his reflex was not to go hide. Um, even though it was not a safe thing to have done. And so, but how did he get there? It was like, well, by having very, uh, for, by being a fish out of water and on a third grade football team, by being willing to have that conversation with his teammates in sixth grade, Yeah, by being willing to be a different flavor and, and unbending to peer pressure. So, and so you think is, I guess that's Proverbs, right? Peer pressure is, is kind of the story of Proverbs. If well, yeah, it's sinners entice you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go along with them. Don't go with the mockers and the scorners and all yeah. that stuff. But I, on the flip side now, so I've seen the wishbone break where parents are like, we're not going to shelter our kids. And so they have no idea what their kids are listening to on Spotify. They have no idea what their kids are streaming on Netflix, on their own phones. For us, you got phones. Our kids received phones when they could be places and, and stranded. There aren't pay phones now. So as our kids got driver's licenses, they got phones. Uh, with our youngest, she got one early because she had no, no, no rides. She would just be right. waiting for rides and we needed her to be able to call. And so she had a phone at 13 instead of 15, where everybody else right. had it at 15. As soon as we, ne we needed it, yeah. Uh, for, you know, it, transportation usually, or so you're not stranded. You know, they got one. No social media till you're 18. You know, like that's yeah. that's it. Uh, my son has, uh, he has a, a Twitter handle and an Instagram handle, but he doesn't have either app on his phone. You know, it's like it's it's one I sh it's I share with him. You know, it's right. like it's sort of, you know, he can he can see it, I can see it. You know, we could we could look at it together but it's just a placeholder um and yeah. that's 
And the others, I just waited till they were 18. And we talked about it and we talked about why, and they all understood it. Uh, with my, with my daughters, I asked him, they, there were one, it, we had one conversation about it where they were like, why is this? And I asked him, it's like, can you just listen to the girls around you for one day and about how much drama and tension there is between who liked what on which post? Have um, you ever had any of your friends fight over or be sad at each other? Cause you didn't like my post or you posted something with other girls and I wasn't invited. And mm. you know, and that, that kind of thing is created. And one day they listened to their friends and were like, yeah, okay, we're good. Right. You know, okay. and we just, uh, pushed through. So it was not me locking them in a greenhouse, but I did want them to be able to grow up and make mistakes and not have it on the permanent record. Right. Um, but so I see a ton of kids where they're sheltered, mom and dad, keep them from the world. Don't tell them the truth. We're not talking about the Old Testament. Yeah. We're not engaging with the world at all. And then they're just, they have no immune systems and they're kids who are raised in a bubble and they come out and they die of the common cold. Like yeah. <laughs> a really, a really basic temptation their freshman year. Yeah. And they crumple and they, they're just, just bowled over because they've never, ever had to build the muscles of resistance of resisting a crowd or having the kind of tolerance where a professor could yell at you uh, and have it be and have it be fine um you know i this this won't reassure people on the uh on the fighting front but i i have very fond <laughs> we're memories. getting there next so i have very i have very fond memories of of getting kicked out of a college classroom of getting kicked out of a grad school classroom of having a teacher write asshole in giant letters on the chalkboard and turn around and point at me and then throw the chalk at me. Like, <laughs> I can't, can we do these stories right now? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like, oh, these no. are, these <laughs> which are, one was the best getting thrown out? That one sounds pretty, pretty juicy. <laughs> getting thrown, getting thrown out of, uh, and actually more honestly in grad school, everyone else got thrown out. Class was canceled. Everybody was sent out and I was held back to be yelled at. And they all stood, grad students stood outside the door, all watching in the window <laughs> while I was just getting berated. Um, <laughs> but the one as an undergrad uh, was we were assigned a movie to watch in uh, communication and rhetoric. And it was Harold and Maude, this hedonistic, nihilistic film, teenage boy hooks up with a 79 year old woman. Um, they have a sexual relationship. Ugh. Yeah. He drives a little Jaguar custom made as a hearse, you know? Oh, wow. You know, and then so such pretentious postmodern yeah. crud. And then yeah. she, and then she kills herself on her 80th birthday. Cause she's always wanted to, or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and for 10% of our grade, we were assigned a paper, a three page paper for 10% of our grade on why hedonistic nihilism is the only truly spiritual worldview. Okay. So you have to write three pages of that. And then this was going to be peer reviewed. And, um, and so I wrote a couple sentences and said, <laughs> I used to think I was a Christian and there was objective truth and morality in the world. And then I watched Harold and Maude <laughs> and it changed everything. Um, and now I know that nothing really matters. You should always challenge authority and only do what you feel. And I don't feel like writing this paper. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go plant a tree and Nate's steal. Nate's evangelical yeah. story. <laughs> and I, I'm gonna go plant a tree and steal an El Camino. And that was my period. So I had one little paragraph. I stapled two blank sheets to it, and then uh, peer reviewed it. Now mine was short enough that every single kid in the class read my paper, and every single kid in that class was sure that I was not really going to turn this in. I was like, where's the fun in not turning it in? The whole point, yeah. the whole point of the joke was turning it in. So I turned it in. It was a very hip, you know, teacher trying to be, you know, edgy. She always wore like sex pistols, t-shirts, you know, like, Oh yeah. Super know, cool. She was trying to, trying to be groovy. And so I turned this in, everybody read it. Everybody's like, you're not really doing this. And I was like, I'm totally doing this. And I, I turned it in and then everybody else got their papers back. And there was this moment where she came to the class and just said she really needed the advice of the class because there's this one student in the class that's oh, just no. a real problem <laughs> and has just been a real problem. And she thinks that he, he is a he, 
uh, is probably sexist and racist and homophobic and all these other things. But, and she just wants the advice of the class, like with this problem student, should she just fail him? Mm. You know, should she just fail him? Or is it her job to educate him? Is he just ignorant? And it's her job to like bring him along and educate him. No, every single kid in this class, which is like 35 to 50 people, had just have, they just have their heads down. Like they're just like this. She was leaning into, I'm going to be so awkward and I'm going to like create this really, mm-hmm. uh, really horrible temperature that you won't be able to withstand. And everybody's just kind of sagging as she went on and on about this horrible student and needing everybody's advice. How many of them knew it was you? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody, everybody knew. <laughs> but they all kept their heads down. <laughs> yeah. And they were just, because everybody had read my paper. Everybody had gotten their papers back. They all wanted to know. They're all looking to see what I got. Right. And I didn't get didn't mine get back. back. Yeah. And she said, she even said that, you know, referred to the paper and said the paper's up at the dean now has been passed on to the dean and and <laughs> everything else. So I'm sitting here and she asked this question. She wants the class's advice. And so I shoot my hand up and just say, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm like bouncing in my seat and my classmates are always like, what are you doing? Like, this is so, so stressful. And I just said, Oh, I, I'm sure he's just ignorant and just doesn't understand what he really thinks. I'm sure he really doesn't know. And it, and it's absolutely your job to educate him. And, um, so that's, that escalated chalk was thrown. Mm-hmm. Asshole was written on the board and I was thrown out of class and I got chewed out on the landing outside. But nice. I had, I had like three major conflicts with that woman and outside the classroom, they're all looking out the window, the door and outside the classroom. She said, you're just trying for an easy a. And I said, no, I, I knew you were going to flunk me. I don't give a rip. Like, I really don't care. It's 10% of my grade fail me. And I said, just, <laughs> just, just, I was like, just fail e. me. I was like, fail me, but admit that I'm the only one in this class who actually, did the thing got nihilism yeah i like i don't give a rip about authority i don't care i'm gonna only do what i feel i showed you what that looks like and i'm the only one who did and just just admit that and she said you can't take people's premises and run them out to their conclusions like that it's one of my <laughs> that's an all-time great yeah, line. it's one of my one of my favorites you can't take yeah you can't take people's premises and run them out to their conclusions yeah. like that and so then, but we are admittedly a family where I went home and very proudly told that story at dinner. And it was like, ha everybody was like, fantastic. You got thrown out of a college classroom and you've been sworn at and uh, chalk thrown at you. When she threw chalk at me, she drilled the girl in front of me. She, she missed me. I was going to ask and how I, good of a just, throw it was. Just to prove that I, I do have control of myself, I did not then comment that she threw like a girl. I didn't. <laughs> I thought it. But I didn't say it because I wanted to stay focused on the actual fight. It wasn't just ab- ad hominem stuff. Okay. But uh, so that was that's one example. But when my sons got arrested and got you know they were in trouble with the cops protesting when they were at the psalm saying where people were arrested at the mm-hmm. legal psalm saying where people were illegally arrested, and that's now a matter of like established fact. Uh, we always believe that, but federal federal court has upheld that. The cops were acting illegally. The city of Moscow was acting illegally. The Psalm Singh was legal. They came and made illegal arrests. When Let my sons, the record reflect. Yeah, my sons were there. I was not. I don't remember where I was, but I couldn't make it. My sons were there, saw people be arrested, um, or got there right as they were being arrested. I don't remember when they when they showed up, but when they went out and protested those arrests and ended up you know, up against a brush guard and in handcuffs on the sidewalk. No one in our family was the least bit ashamed of them or worried, or why are you getting into trouble? It's like, there's not a fear of trouble. Like trouble is not a, is not by itself a, a threat uh, at all. Yeah. Like the question, the question is how did you handle it? How did you behave yourself? What was the, you know, what was the conversation? What was everything else surrounding? Right. And in trouble over what? Yeah, because right. it's what, not, what and how. Yeah. So that's the yeah. like, were you smashing a window? Were you spray painting things? Were you damaging right. property? Were like, you no. refusing to do your schoolwork when it's not a bad assignment? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I've I've seen a ton of really sheltered kids from every different kind of educational background and church background blow up as adults because they have no immune system, and I've seen a lot of kids who have been overly cool 
you know, they, they belonged too mm-hmm. much. Uh, they did a little too much belonging in the world or in some subset. And I've seen that lead them astray. Gotcha. Also. And I think that what you're describing about parents being afraid. Yeah. Trying to be protective is really true. It's natural to kind yeah. of fear and want to protect. It's also natural for parents to kind of vicariously live and want to be like cool again. Right. You know, and, and get sucked into that. So the goal is as a parent to try to raise kids who are going to lead fantastic stories for lives, mm. not kids who will be kept safe and always be in the closet. You know, it's like just, and right. I don't mean that as a gay reference. <laughs> Uh, kept safe closet metaphors are no longer acceptable (laughs) stored away hidden away you know they're in the root cellar or whatever bunker let's say (laughs) Um, you're not trying to just preserve them like and that's the only goal the goal is to try to raise the kind of characters who are going to lead stories worth telling they're going to lead lives that really uh, leave awake and make the world better for everyone around them Right. So I mean, that's a very long kind of meandering yeah. discourse on that. But I think it's natural that you'd be afraid that any, any person, any parent is instinctively afraid of exposing their kid to things. Right. Because the loss of innocence is real and it never comes back. Yeah. But just, you know, know that the world is broken, the world has fallen, and they have to be trained to be heroes in it. Like think of them as like the Rangers in Lord of the Rings. Right. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian family, you need to raise your kids like they're all going to be rangers. Yeah, protecting the sleepy little shire yeah. from... Let the sheep be asleep. The bad thing. But raise them as rangers. Okay, so here's the question following up. Obviously, how come you've meant... You first gave a, a list of how many... A wide variety of people you've been friends with. How come that professor with the t-shirt is not one that that gets to be a friend? Right? I guess... Yeah, I would have been happy to be a friend. I would have... I right. would have... You know, it was... I mean, honestly, she should have been able to see that and realize, like, you got me. Good job. Right? But she can't do that own reductio yeah. on her own. I would say two two things. One, I was 17. Right. Um, and so I wasn't as good. At, I've, I've tried to teach my kids this, is when, when you corral an animal. They're going to lash out. They're going to lash out. Yeah. And so yeah. <clears throat> it's going to happen. So you always want to rhetorically leave a gate open. You know, I'm not saying I would do it differently now. I probably right, wouldn't. Right. But if I was going to be in conversation with somebody like that, that you always want to, re- you know, leave a release valve where they can retreat and you can then pursue with further conversation. And right. eventually they're in a tiny little pen where even lashing out doesn't do anything. Right. You know, they've come to grips with, with. They haven't been able to, to cuss you out and get rid of you. It's been. Yeah. yeah and she couldn't yeah. really get rid of me, but right. it's. But that, that lashing out is minimized. It's like it happens still, but then there's, it's not just over. It's not like everything just blows up. Right. And so it'd be possible for me to be a jackass to people about beliefs that they hold with conviction. You know, I could, I could just nuke my relationships uh, sure. ac- across the spectrum. But the question is why? You know, and especially if, if they're aware, uh, if they if they're aware of what I believe, and I am not hurt by their disagreement, and I can talk, I can joke about Catholics, and they can joke about Protestants, and right, you know, and we can we can do that, and knowing that there's underneath that there's there's a real old rift, you know, like there's a right. something that goes way back. Um, but I'm not sitting here taking it personally that the Spanish Inquisition happened. I will, however. You know, if we're sitting around talking about the authority of the church, it will come up. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's it's the kind of behavior that comes up and discredits the entire theory of authority and tradition. Um, but it's I have no I have no lack of affection for them, and right. they have no lack of affection for me. I tell them I'm just a protesting Catholic, like it's all Protestant is. Um, and when they disagree with things like Vatican II, I'm like, hey, look, you're Protestant. <laughs> I'm always like, you're, look, you're yeah. protesting. Um, nice. And so there's tons of razzing and affection and, and right. that's just the way it goes. But that goes way back to grad school. So in, in my classes, there was a bunch of Catholics and, yeah. um, and Anglo Catholics and, and Greek Orthodox people with whom I disagreed fundamentally about the nature of the gospel and grace right. and salvation. 
And yet, uh, it was a different kind of discourse um, than it would be with somebody who just overtly hates God. Right. And uh, you're, what you said about being comfortable or what your dad's advice about getting the flag up early, Yeah, I found that same thing at grad school where you put the flag up and all of a sudden it does rally people around you because immediately yeah. everybody knows for the whole rest of the time, yeah. oh, that's a Christian. And then you find out you've got Christian faith in common with the Nigerian people in yeah. your class and not with the rest of the Americans, yeah. you know. And, and yep. but but if you don't put that flag up, nobody has a chance to talk about it. It doesn't get awkward in situations yep. when the entire class is melting down about uh oh, what was it? Oh yeah, it was the imperialism of translation. Yes. There was a theory that go uh, all of them were all in on the fact that translating a work is imperial by definition and no translation should happen. That to me was, that was the class where I thought this is a dumpster fire of great fun. And then <laughs> turned out they all took it really personal and it got up to the Dean and the advisor and you know, it was a very, awesome. it was a, it was one Fantastic. of those things. <laughs> I thought we were having, that's what's funny to me is that I thought we were having a fun discussion yeah. in the translation class. Turned out other people did not enjoy the frank, <laughs> the frank discussion about translation. <laughs> they like, they like boxing against heavy bags, but not against other boxers. Right. Yeah, that no, when you that, get punched in the nose, your eyes water. Right, it's and, it's, and it just sure. made me really thankful for everything that we've had because I was like, oh wow, you all have the debating ability of children because you've never had anybody actually disagree and mean it. Yeah, which is and mean it is a is a big part of that. Right, I did have uh, in in grad school when I got popped in a in a philosophy theology class. Afterwards, after my conflict with the professor. I went, I was, I was down in this coffee shop close, uh, close to where we had class and the class had been canceled. So people had free time cause I'd ruined it. <laughs> and so, and so you've ruined uh, university, you've ruined, <laughs> you've ruined this two hour seminar. And, and so what was, was that one ruined over what it means when Christ says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dang. That doesn't sound particularly inflammatory. No, it must be you, Nate. <laughs> yeah. So that, but that, uh, an atheist in the class when they were all kind of grappling and I, I, when that became the thing we're supposed to discuss for the day, I, I kind of crossed my arms and leaned back and just waited. And like, I was oh, like, great. I don't need, to, I don't. Yeah. I was like, fantastic. And this atheist in the class finally, as they were all struggling with it, just said, well, it seems like the answer to this is what does it mean to be a Christian and how do you become one? And mm -hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, you're a Christian. So can you explain that? What does it mean to be a Christian, really? And how do you become one? And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> here we go. So I did a high-speed gospel presentation from the fall of man to the eschaton in like three to five minutes. Just like, zzz. And we all just sat there. And the professor was extremely upset that there had just been an altar call and also that no one was saying anything. We were all just sitting there in silence and discussion had been ended. Mm. You know, I had ruined the discourse and I had shut the whole thing down and yada, yada. But anyway, it, it talking about guilt and talking about the law of God on everybody's hearts and talking about how we, everyone here knows better and everybody here bears the image of God and, and you know, just, and really going with a straight up, for me, a grandpa Jim, old timey gospel presentation, um, shut the thing down. They all were dismissed. Class was canceled. I got yelled at. And then, and they'd all sat in silence after this. And then I went to the cafe. And when I was there, the number of people from my class who came by and said, Hey, like, thanks so much for doing that. I'm actually a Baptist. Mm. I'm, hey, I'm actually Anglican. I'm actually, mm. I'm actually, and I was like, man, two thirds of my class were believers. And yet it felt. And they all bit their tongues. Right. Right. And it just shut down. And it's, you need somebody who's, who's dumb enough, <laughs> who's, who's dumb enough and has, has tolerance, you know, <laughs> to be thrown into the hot tub because they don't know any better. You right. need, all of my friends there needed that. And I became pretty good friends with a lot of these, you know, a lot of those people. Right. As a, as a result of that. That's great. So any, anyway, the point is for parents, don't focus on the survival of your kids. Don't focus on trying to have really soft, well-preserved 30-year-old sons. 
Mm. Like, try to raise characters who are going to lead very interesting lives. Like, be the kind of people you want to raise the kind of kids who will be the kind of people authors need to write books about. You know, and they they could. That's good. That's that's the goal. I don't know what we were supposed to talk about today, but well, this is actually very on my mind too. With having, I have a. 21 year old, a 20 year old and a 19 year old. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're all in this launch phase. Uh, and yeah. it's been really awesome. It's been a really, a tremendous blessing just to watch well, the, the joy, the joy. I, I think it, it helps me with younger kids, like looking forward, like where, where's the ramp? Like, I think we've got really low expectations for teens in our culture, Yeah, right? Almost non-existent adult expectations right now. Yep. And so it's good to just, you know, and then, and obviously, um, not to start giant fights, but as Pado Baptist too, we spend I spend a lot of time, you know, thinking with my kids. All right, if it's a sign and a seal, and the seal is faith, you know, it's yep. important to have the Hebrews ten conversation yep. with your kids of like mm-hmm. today. If you hear his voice, don't yep. harden your heart because yep. then you're putting a lie to the sign. So yep. all of these things are part of that conversation of how do you get these boys who are accepted and part and loved by God. Yep. to remain in this tradition as we go. Yeah. Especially when there's a lot of pressure. And I think the um I'm really grateful for how well for my dad and for how he raised me and how yeah he engaged with me and how he didn't take never took my failings or my sins personally. I think yeah. parents do that a lot. Yeah. Like don't your sin your son did not sin against you. Right. Like it didn't he did not sin against you. No you might be an an offended party. Like you're one of them, but ultimately the sin is against God. Right. And you need to come alongside and help them learn, not be one more aggrieved party. You have your forgiveness has to be really quick. So yeah, such a discipline bad response to be like, Ooh, I'm why did you do that? How could you instead of being like Don't you know how hard I worked on says any parent ever and you're already screwing up? Yeah. Like you're already and that's the temptation. Don't you know how hard your mom worked? Yada yada. Like it's not about that. Yep. And you and you now have something else that you should be working on even more hard, right? <laughs> like even harder would be working on this kid and that temptation and trying to help them. And so the the discipline has to be entirely has to be real. Consequences have to be real, but it only is for their benefit. It has to be entirely. When you benefit. use that emotional whip on the kid, it's the worst. It's like there's now a second wound that has to be healed before discipline can be yep. back in fellowship. And, and and like getting your kids back in fellowship after discipline is that art and you know when you're doing it well. Like yeah. discipline happens, they move on, you guys are back in fellowship together. Yep. And with, with boys, it's easy. You just can often get them to go do something with you and you're yeah. all back together, back on the team. But uh yep. But with all your many daughters, you, 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 <laughs> right? Who knows? Who knows what you do with them, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is very funny because the instinct of enforcing the uh, the sin was an offense against your feelings, how it made you feel, your yeah. irritation, your frustration. All that does is train them in the sovereignty of feelings. Yeah. And dad's feelings and mom's feelings rule them. And so their feelings will start to rule them. And even worse than that, they'll be being trained in a vulnerability to other people's feelings. And in our time and in our culture, that is the Achilles heel that you cannot afford to let your kids have. They, Vulner, is that one vulnerability they, to other people's feelings? Yeah, you cannot. Yeah, letting other people use the feeling other tag people to steer feel you. hurt. And yeah. so you are like, oh no. Right. Like you cannot program that at all with your kids. Um, right. Just at all. Yeah. So you really do want to work hard to see the offense and come alongside and help your little brother, your little sister. Yep. Figure this out. Not be this petulant pagan god that's been offended. Right. You must um, now assuage dad's upset feelings yep. as well as apologize for having hit your little brother. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And that's you know a, a significant a significant problem. So it's easy to it's easy to do. It's super easy to do. We've all done it as parents. You yeah. Know, no, I this is this is I'm sure convicting to more <laughs> others besides me where you're just like, yeah, I did it. It was that thing where you you get the feeling of like, 
I don't want to deal with this. And so you react emotionally. Yeah. How could you do this to me again? I think yep. people do that with schoolwork too. And that turns kids against school and everything too. Because they're like, how yeah. could you have messed up this assignment? And I, I know I've talked about it before, but my dad, when I was 16, he did it with my, my sisters as well. But when I was 16, he told me, uh, you now can watch and listen to whatever you want. Yeah. And, but then the, the big, heavy, weird, wild stakes of that were his addition of, because if you can't figure that out by now, it's too late. I already screwed up and there's no hope for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, you have to be able to self-govern. You have to be able to have self-control and self-govern. Right. And the rules were, you have to be able to watch it or listen to it in our house, not on headphones, and be willing to explain why you decided to. That's a great one. I, I remember, I look back on that being like, oh, I wish I'd been willing to walk out of so many more things. I used yeah. that so sparingly. Yeah. That tool, which needed to be a key tool of this is, this is worth yeah. this. And so I, I've done that with my own, my own kids. My uh, second son recently turned 17, but back when he was 16, we had this conversation. I'm just like, okay, so this is, this is it. You have to be able to self-regulate. There's going to be so much filth coming at you in the world. And this is where we're going. We've talked enough. We've watched enough together. We've discussed enough. You're capable of making these decisions and you have to start. This muscle has to begin working. Mm. You have to start making these decisions. And I'll ask you, why are you listening to that? I'll ask you, why, are you, why do you want to watch that? Right. You know, we'll, we'll have this conversations and you need to be able to explain. Like, this, is, this is why. And yeah. so I'll, I'll push you on it. I'll challenge you on it. But it's not, yeah. it's not you asking permission. You can ask for my thoughts. Like, hey, what do you think of this? Is this worth checking out? Yeah. You can ask me that and I'll advise. But Again, because it's, no it's not a holiness thing. Yeah. Like if they mess up and listen to a song they shouldn't have, yep. that's, that's learning. And yeah, <laughs> and, if he, and if he gives into temptation, he watches something he shouldn't have and he feels shame and then I help him deal with that. Right. It's like, because he's, I'm trying to prepare him for right. you know, adulthood Yeah. Uh, completely and, and to try to be dangerous in adulthood, not just survive. Mm. So it's, it is a little bit, uh, fraught, you know, you can, you can feel that like, Ooh, boy, I have to actually trust God. <laughs> like yeah. I actually, I actually have to operate by faith. This is not by works. It turns out like I'm not going to be able to work my, my own way into salvation. I also can't work my kids ways into salvation. Like it's actually, this is by faith. We give it to God and we entrust, you know, we entrust him and just do what we can. But oversheltering is a mistake and trying to be of the world is a mistake. It's about walking that line where, yeah, you're 100% in the world, but in the world, building up your tolerances, building up your strength, your resistance, your willingness to have everybody look at you with side eye. Yeah. Uh, because you're wearing the I am the pro-life generation t-shirt on the New York subway. Right. You know, it's like you have to, you have to be ready to roll. Or you way. are the... Uh the the Jew and the Hamas rally, or yeah. I should say the, the, the fake. You're the, you're the guy <laughs> in the Hamaka. Yeah. And actually it's funny because when I, I got messages from the Jewish center there and the Jewish center staff had, I thought amazingly, I thought it was really, I was really impressed with them, had gone out. They had gone out and stationed themselves throughout the pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian rally there just for the, that exact reason of assuming that Jewish students would forget or not be aware and then walk out of class and like walk right into it. Mm. And so they had like lifeguards, yeah. you know, out there monitoring everything um, already, which I was impressed by. But yeah, it was funny afterwards that my, my son was like, I can't, I have to flag some resistance. This requires some resistance. So where's my yarmulke? <laughs> where's, somebody gave me one of those. <laughs> somebody, somebody gave me one of those. Somebody gave me one of those yarmulkes. Yeah. But you know, he's got cousins in the IDF and it's a, it's a thing that matters. An aunt over there, a widower who's over there, you know, right. I don't even like the updates are crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the least he felt that he just had to flag it. He felt like he could not sail through without flying a flag of some, some sort. So he found a small round one, <laughs> a little black flag and <laughs> placed it on the back of his head. Yeah. There we go. Well, don't, don't try to keep your kids out of trouble. Try to get them in the right trouble. Yep. It's good. Hope you enjoyed the episode of SASP. 
We enjoy having you all share your feedbacks and thoughts with us. Here I have for you the proofs of a new book. You might wonder why I don't have the book itself. Well, it hasn't arrived yet. I wanted to show you some of my favorite parts of Blah Blah Black Sheep. If you're in audio, of course, you're going to have to either uh, go to blahblahkids.com to check it out yourself or watch the video on Canon Plus. But here you can see the friendly grasshopper. Uh, not a super important character, but an, uh, he's on the title page anyway. <laughs> and then uh, the other page, here's the picture of Blah Blah Black Sheep singing the wrong song. Blah. It's great stuff. And then the last two I wanted to show you, this great scene inspired by Tintin and Hergey. Blah Blah's uh, uh, wondering if he should become a pirate, sail the seas. Last picture I wanted to show you, because you can't see all of them, you'll have to wait for the book. You don't get to see him running uh, with the wolves or him with the yetis. He saves the baby yeti. But you do get to see Blah Blah wondering if he should join a circus to become a fire breather or perhaps join a rodeo to bust Bronx. Anyways, this book is great. Please go to blahblahkids.com and check out the pre-order specials. Uh, some special bonuses there, along with getting your book signed by Nate and Forrest and also being a part of making the show happen, Lord willing, and uh, many other cool things. So head to blahblahkids.com, get a copy for Under Your Tree.